Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. I can't really hear you. Really? Let's turn, can we turn it up? Hello, 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 hello. Well, you're, now you're whispering. Can you hear that? But I feel like I can't hear you. Really? Can you hear yourself? I can hear me. I can hear... Well, you just answered that question so you can <laughs> hear me somewhat. <laughs> think that we we're just getting like more mature and that's why we're not as petty i like to think so you know i feel like when we were younger we would have we would have been real bitchy about something <laughs> i mean would have been <laughs> or were <laughs> and you know so i we're mean just growing i but it's taking a long time i was thinking that actually recently i was like wow i'm on the back nine now of my life and I'm only just starting to get it. Right. Like, I, I should have gotten it earlier. Well, but also keep in mind that like, I do think that people are aging more slowly. So okay. maybe that's part of it. Maybe it gets stretched out or you kind of yeah, like have maybe. an opportunity. We're also like extremely privileged and able to we'll kind probably, of we'll, uh, do you hold think on to. We'll probably live till we're over a hundred, right? Because like by that time, you know, well, life also, expectant expectancy and you're, you know, taking all these longevity supplements. But also um, <laughs> intermittent fasting is like the number one. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but it is actually like well, the number one. Well, I do one. it too. So. I know. <laughs> there you go. That's th That is why I am intermittent fasting. The women in my family, other than my mother's mother, who died of cancer very young, they all live old, right. old, like a long time. Yeah. And that's, you know, without any sort of like medical intervention like a while ago. Right. Like my great grandmother lived till her 90s. My grandmother lived till her 90s My on my dad's side. I just want to not have Alzheimer's or any kind of dementia. That yeah. to me seems like a nightmare situation. Well, they're consistently making advances in that area. That's true. You know, so and also like there are, I don't know. I mean, there are certain theories as to like what you can do to stave that off what intermittent fasting being one of the things <laughs> by the way i'm just saying well someone told me when i was in high school like whenever i would smoke out of like a soda can or sometimes i would make pipes just out of tinfoil that yeah. was like in someone's parents kitchen right people would say that that's how you get alzheimer's yeah i don't think that that's I mean, it's impossible to say like how you get Alzheimer's. Well, but is know? that one of the reasons? Can you Google that? Smoking, freebasing, <laughs> smoking off of tinfoil? Because I've smoked so much tinfoil. I've smoked so many soda cans. Is, what is Narconon? Is that Scientology? Yes. Well, that's the first thing that comes up when I, I Googled smoking tinfoil Alzheimer's and a Narconon site came up. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I guess we're not going to they're not trustworthy to me. In October 2007, there's a Wesleyan uh, column in a Wesleyan paper called Ask a Professor, who says, a number of recent studies have indicated that the proposed link between Alzheimer's disease and aluminum is weak or non-existent. Oh, okay, great. I don't know Good if there have been advances since 2007. I trust it. Is Shelley Long on Cameo? Shelly Duvall on Cameo? I don't think Shelly Duvall is. Oh, I wish. Is Haley Mills on Cameo? Oh, wait. I thought she was is, dead. Did she die? She might have died. Haley Mills is alive. She's alive? Yeah. And straight? 
I think, I mean, if she were gay, we'd know, wouldn't we? Personal life. Okay. In 1966, she was 20, and she met 53-year-old director Roy Bolting. Oh, my God. The two were married in 1971 and owned a flat in London's Chelsea. Their son, Crispin Mills, is the lead singer of the rock band Coola Shaker. Do you know Coola Shaker? I've heard of them. They were Britpop, and they like were into like Eastern philosophy. Okay. So they would chant. <laughs> Their early hit was Tatva. It was called Tatva. Yeah, okay. they would like they would do like you know chanting. Their their choruses were chants. Crispin Mills, her partner since 1997, is actor and writer for Dois Bomji. Partner is pretty gay. 20 years her junior. She's all over the place, huh? <laughs> Truly. 54. He's 54. That must be interesting. I don't recognize a lot of these people that are in Disney. They're probably like past us. I do recognize Gilbert Gottfried. Okay. He's here probably because he's in Aladdin. Yes, he was. He's $159. That's kind of steep. Although for Gilbert Gottfried, you know. But his voice is iconic. It is iconic, but yeah. neither of us are huge fans. No, I guess not. No offense to him, but it's just Gilbert Gottfried doesn't. His eyes always kind of closed. I don't know. He's right. Like he's always kind of like squinting the whole time. Are they ever like regular open? And if they, they are, is he been. recognizable? <laughs> I think so. Let me go- Google you... Google Gilbert Gottfried open eyes. <laughs> Early installment weirdness How he looked and sounded when he was a cast member On Saturday Night Live is entirely different Than how he looks and sounds now <gasps> As mentioned above, Godfrey once had a full head of hair Had his eyes open and had a fairly Soft spoken voice Okay, so the whole thing Is, I mean, because you can't just be, talk like that Constantly, he's always screaming Yeah, he's always screaming I wonder if he gets headaches from doing that with his eyebrows What's his ethnicity? Uh, he, Jewish, right? Gottfried? Is he Jewish? Gottfried sounds Jewish to me. Gilbert sounds Jewish to me. He is Jewish, but he has commented on his podcast that he did not have a bar mitzvah. Were they poor? I don't know. It doesn't say. I <laughs> I've always, never been to a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. Yeah, me neither. Mm. Maybe, I mean. What? We should have more Jewish friends, I guess, then. I mean, I went to Catholic school. Yeah, I mean, I, never I didn't even, go to Catholic school, but there was no, there was like, there was no Jewish Jew people in, in my, my neighborhood school? at all. It's weird. Yeah. I, I never met a Jewish person until my freshman year of NYU. My dad's business partner was Jewish, but that was like the only interfacing I had. And I was like, they are weird. <laughs> <laughs> Were they Orthodox? No. Oh. <laughs> but the thing, you know what's weird though, is that I used to think that all other Christian religions that weren't Catholic were weird. Like Jewish people, like I understood to a point because they just seem like New Yorkers to me. So like, even though I had no Jewish friends, like that still seemed like, you know, I see those people like in movies and, you know, but people who are like not Catholic Christians, that to me was weird. Yeah. It's like, you don't do rules, I guess. Are you, <laughs> you do your own rules. I remember like asking people like, what religion are you in? Like holding my breath <laughs> until they said they were Catholic. <laughs> so weirdly judgmental. Like no. nothing else was good in my book. It was like, you're all going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just was like, because I remember being taught about Martin Luther. Yeah. That the original. Right. And not Martin Luther King, King. Jr.'s dad. Right. <laughs> we learned about Martin Luther, but it was in like a not like he, like he's not okay kind of way. Right. But like I remember like an entire day learning about that and I actually thought it was interesting, but walking away being like, wow, like no. Yeah. Like that's bold. Right. Like going against the Pope, like, oh my God. But, but you now, were impressed. No, I was like that's, Oh, that's sinful. Yes, that's yeah. bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that I think that speaks to like indoctrination. I and know. My parents were never at this point when I look at that, I'm like, yeah, damn, he was cool. I was definitely, I don't think that I, I think I put the pieces together. I don't think I was ever taught that like you're bad and going to hell if you're not Catholic. Only in terms, no, it's only no in terms of like, literally to me. but it's like you're indoctrinated to the point that it's like so true to you that anything else has to be a lie. And it's like, that's just ridiculous that anybody would believe anything else. Or that you are taught that there are these like certain rules yeah. and if you violate those rules, like right. taking the Lord's name in vain, and that could mean practicing a different religion. Yes, of you course. Know, that kind of thing. So they never would say like, Oh, other people are going to hell. They would just say that. And then you kind of like use the logic that you are given to I, make the determination. I actually remember there was like, there was a weird kid in my grade named Ben, who in retrospect was obviously on the spectrum, but it was way before there were so many people diagnosed, you know, and he was definitely annoying, you know, but I remember one time in CCD cause I went to public school. So I only got like a little bit of the Catholic mm -hmm. stuff, but I still believed in it enough that like one day, I think this was like fourth grade or something. Ben said he didn't believe in God. And I was so mad about it. I was like, why are you here? <laughs> But the teacher was like, well, let's hear him out. Like, and I was like pissed off at her for even entertaining the thought. But in retrospect, I can't believe that she was so liberal as to actually yeah. like allow him to say his piece. That, that is really impressive in retrospect. Cause like all of those, I mean, none of those people were cool or open-minded that were like high yeah, in the Catholic maybe that's church. Like, maybe that's like part of the teaching is like, maybe that's kind of cult leaderish to be like, no, let's hear him out. But it and then changing their mind anyway. I don't, but I don't, I mean, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I remember leaving with a sense that she was completely at peace with him believing that maybe she was playing some kind of long game, something like that, but maybe she was just way cooler than she seemed. Yeah. Mrs. Adams, Miss Adams with like, you know, she was 60, which seemed like 2 million at the time. Um, <laughs> totally. Very kind of like uptight you know, taught CCD kind of lady. I don't know. It's more impressive than anything else that happened in CCD, frankly. Did I tell you that Una asked me if she could go to CCD? No. Yeah. Okay. She asked me if she could go to CCD last year before coronavirus because her friend goes and their family is like really like Italian Catholic. And when Una asked me, I was like, okay, if you want to. And I was like, if you, if you really want to, you can, but I'll just tell you this. It's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and you are going to have to do homework. Yeah. Like that's going to be extra homework that you have to do. Right. And she's like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to do work, homework. And I was like, yeah, they're going to have like a workbook for you. You're going to yeah. have assignments. It was always easy, but always tedious. Yeah, totally. So then she backed off on the idea, oh. which I'm really glad about. But 
now her cousin made her first Holy Communion and Una's nine and she probably should have done that this year or uh-huh. last year. And like, I'm not doing that. So I'm the first in the family going off. Okay. Because I, I baptized her. Like Martin Luther. Yeah, I guess. I baptized her, but I just did that like, you know, just in case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice to have a party because like I didn't get to have like a party for like when she was born. You know what I mean? Like that was like everyone's chance to like meet her. Yeah. It was more like celebrating that she was alive. Right. Do you think anybody's ever given birth and then gone to a party that night with their kid and be like, it's a birthday party? I bet Literal you. Literal birthday. Uh, I probably know. one of the Manson women. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> They were like, totally. oh, they had babies there. They did. I know. Zozo C. Yeah. Sad frack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's really, it's really the, like obviously horrifying. But when I read Zozo C. Zad frack and I was on the train and I laughed out loud and I'm like laughing, holding Helter Skelter in public, you know? Psycho. Totally. It was really the scariest moment <laughs> it was me at my scariest i think i mean zizozo sees that frack <laughs> i should i talk about una with the knife or do you think that's know. like too much it might be too much i don't know i i don't know either i i do think like it's interesting to have to parent and navigate things about online behavior because it's so new I never, it, online wasn't even there when I was younger. Yeah. So I obviously have never had to have that conversation. Like I never received that conversation. Right. I was able to base the period conversation that I had with her, like on stuff that my mom did and what I think worked and what didn't work. But I don't have that here. So it's like I have to sort of navigate that. Do you worry it would be perceived as judgment on Una? Like, you know, somebody might be like, what's wrong with her? But I know that nothing's wrong with her. Yeah, yeah. So you don't I know care that if people get no. I know that she's it. doing it because she thinks it's funny. Yeah, and it's just like you know she's like misfiring on the humor. She's like not nailing the joke. She really is like she reminds me of me in a lot of ways because she really is just constantly just trying to make jokes. Right. And some of them land and some of them don't. Yeah. And you know I've learned that the hard way. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like hard. Tracy Jokester Egan Morrissey, as I, they call you. <laughs> well, I do joke around a lot, and not everyone appreciates it. Okay, I um, mean, I don't know if I, if I would have like described you in the first hundred words as like a jokester, but sure. I feel like I'm constantly just trying to like laugh and have a good time. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Like you don't think so? No, I mean, I yeah, that's definitely part of it but there's laughing and having a good time and then there's like i don't know being a jokester well i'm not pulling pranks i definitely say a lot of puns i definitely like if i think of a one-liner in my head i say it without even really because i'm so proud of myself for thinking it that i say it right away instead of like being like oh should i say this and like i feel like ultimately it is funny Right. To me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but not everyone else thinks that. Okay. So I have to teach her that because no one taught me that. And that's like been a problem. That's why I've made, I think, a lot of mistakes. Right. So I feel like I have, that's my duty to like talk about that with her. And well, I relate to her on it. Okay. You can set it up and then oh. you can. Some background on this. My daughter would talk about this one little girl that was in her class for the last two years that the girl was like mean. 
She thought she was queen of the world. That's how Una puts it. And, you know, she says nasty things about people. So then today, and I hadn't heard about this girl in a while because obviously she doesn't have to deal with her because of, you know, homeschooling. Right. I hear her downstairs. She's on the phone with her friend. And I hear the girl's name that, that she, you know, used to talk about. And I was like, oh, some shit's gone down. And then um, Una said something like, well, tell her I don't care or something like that. And I was like, oh, there's like drama. Yeah. So then, you know, we went to the park today and we were just talking and I was like, whatever happened to blah, 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 like that one girl. And I was like that one that like, you know, was mean to you. I was like, whatever happened with her? Because I just wanted to find out if like the girl was being mean to her. So she said, told me that he said I was stupid. And I was like, well, you know that you're not. And she's like, I know. And I was like, you're probably like the smartest kid in your class. So she's stupid for not thinking of a better insult. Yeah. And I was like, what What did you do? Did you respond to it or did you just ignore her? And she said, I took a picture of myself holding a knife and I texted it to her. <laughs> and I was like, when she said it, I was like, you know, there, there are so many times in parenting. It used to be a lot more when she was a toddler. Where like I wanted to laugh so hard or like I couldn't help myself and I, I would have to like turn my head and laugh so she wouldn't see me because it was right. so funny. And this was like kind of one of those times. Yeah. But then immediately I said, you can't do that. You could get arrested for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted her to like know how serious it was. Right. And I was like, that's harassment. You cannot threaten people with violence because you can go to jail for that. And what was the kid's response? Nothing. Okay. That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I haven't heard from the mother. She, uh, I don't know. To me, it sounds like the biggest lesson to learn is like, just because you think something's funny doesn't mean other people will. Well, that's what I said to her. Yeah. And I was like, you know, not everyone gets your sense of humor. So I also was thinking about it today and I was like, you know what? I actually need to be so explicit with her about what she can and can't post or send to people yes i mean she's not in charge of posting anything now but i feel like this you know communicating via text like their email texting um with her friends is like the precursor to like what their behavior would be like on social media yeah so i really have to like drive it home so i was like you know what i need to have a conversation with her that she can't send any pictures of her private parts to anybody yes because i was like you know, I could see her like thinking it's funny to send like a butthole picture to someone. Yeah. I think a lot of kids would think that that was like funny, like in teenagers would or whatever. But like she can't do that. Like and also that would be child porn. Yes. Right. Yeah. I think I don't know. To me, like the best thing to do is to be rational and calm and not mess anything up, you know, not make a bigger mess than already exists. And it's not a mess, but it's just a lesson to learn. Yeah. So if you make it that big of a deal, it can be somehow traumatizing, I think, I know, at the very stick, least. It'll stick. It'll stick, and it'll just be a weird thing always. Yeah. So, you know, people make mistakes. People misjudge. Yeah. Well, and I get that. Wait, we have something to celebrate. What? 420? New York being legal in... No, 420 uh, is next week. You want to celebrate New York being legal? Yes. For weed? Yes, yes, yes. We like you can just smoke on the street now. I didn't even realize that because like whenever something like goes in like becomes a law like with marijuana uh, reform or whatever, I just always think it'll take a year to go in effect. Well, it usually or takes a like year that. for them to start selling it. Okay, but this is right right away. You can smoke weed on the street. Yeah, and it's not a big deal. Right. 
You just can't do it in a park. You can smoke weed. What I read is you can smoke weed anywhere you, where you can smoke cigarettes. And yeah. there's not a lot of public spaces where you can you can't smoke, smoke cigarettes. cigarettes in a park. Yeah, you can't smoke cigarettes everywhere, including parks. But um, it's you can smoke cigarettes a lot of places still. And so, yeah, there's that. I, I'm, I love it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I feel like it didn't affect that law didn't affect me either way. You know why? Because I was never prosecuted for it. Oh, but it affects you because maybe you could have been one day. Sure, definitely. But I wasn't. So it wasn't like something that was, I obviously knew of an existence that could navigate that law, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, especially because of my privilege. Yeah, but in the end, it wasn't, it hasn't been criminalized in so many years. So that's not what it is. You you could absolutely get a ticket for it. Right. It was an expensive ticket. $100, $200 or something? Yeah, more than a, a parking in front of a fire hydrant ticket. Yeah. Not something you want. So can't get that anymore. It makes so much more sense to sell it than to ticket the back end. Absolutely. So this is New York Times. This ran March 25th. The deal was crafted with an intense focus on making amends in communities impacted by the decades-long war on drugs. Millions of dollars in tax revenue from cannabis sales will be would be reinvested in minority communities each year, and a sizable portion of business licenses would be reserved for minority business owners. This was like a huge sticking point. Uh, a percentage of revenue that is raised will get invested into the communities where the people who suffered mass incarceration come from and still live in many cases, said Assemblywoman Crystal D. Peoples-Stokes, a Democrat who has spearheaded the legalization effort in the lower chamber for years. She's like a crusader. For me, this is a lot more than raising revenue. It's about investing in the lives of people that have been damaged. Mm-hmm. And like that was a that was a linchpin, I yeah. think. And that's great. Yeah, I love it. I love Come it. On. I have a correction. Oh, God. Jennifer- oh, wait, can I say something first? Yeah. I want to promote our store that is launching on 420. It's going to be launching on 420. It's Pipe Dreams. Uh, We're going to be selling pot psychology merch and also a curated selection of smoking accessories that are very cool. Okay. We got grinders, ashtrays, rolling trays, pre-rolled cones, pipes, bongs, lighters, you name it. Right. I don't know. I feel like the store is 100% your thing, really. Okay. Well, we're going to have pot psychology merch on there, yes. but we're going to also have other things, weird things that I designed, <laughs> mugs and shirts and yeah, things. Right. We're launching on 420. You can go to the website, pipedreams.fun, pipedreams.fun, and you can sign up for a newsletter and then you can find out when we open. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say, say it. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was all coherent. Okay, good, good, good. So my correction is that Jennifer Nettles was in Sugarland, and I said Little Big Town. Okay. I mean, they're literally the same they, to me. I couldn't tell you the difference. There's two things that are. There's a Sugar Town and a Little Big Town. Sugarland and Little Big Town. Oh, did you watch Generation? What's that? It's on HBO. It's the one. Remember when Lena Dunham had that uh, controversy about like exposing kids to dead cats? No. A, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> controversy a few months ago that was actually remember the time that like somebody how did i miss that was that when i had i'll tell you how you missed it because somebody had dm'd me about it but it was like to do moi and i don't follow that instagram so i was like i can't see it whatever and then that's what it turned out to be it's a really weird story generation is this a it's a tv show yeah it's like it's on hbo max it's it's, uh scripted yes and everybody's everybody is queer except for like one girl who's 
the most wooden actor I've ever seen in my life. And everybody, I mean, the I think I really think it's a terrible show that I unfortunately couldn't stop watching. And that's not usually my experience. So Lena Dunham. She's just an EP. It? She's an oh, EP okay. and she wrote an episode. And in fact, the episode she wrote um, revolves around a grinder conversation. So if you ever wanted Lena Dunham's take on how men talk to each other on grinder, Is it accurate? Uh, I wouldn't say so. They talk about French fries. There's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's like it, i didn't even realize that she had written it till the end of the episode and i was like oh fuck this it was actually very similar to okay, her i need to watch her sibling misreported this thing really really terribly years ago and i wrote about it for gawker and actually the story that that they wrote at the time was all about hate crime legislation in which a hate crime was investigated and then dropped you know okay but I didn't realize that that was Lena Dunham's sibling until after I'd written it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm glad because I was totally unbiased. Do they like, have the last name Dunham? Yeah. Okay. But I didn't like put it together. It's not that uncommon of a name. Regardless, that was another experience where I watched this garbage and then was like, oh, Lena Dunham. <laughs> um, but like I watched a bunch so I could write about it. And then that night I had a dream about the show that I was in it. <sighs> We were there's the, there's a um, scene where they're supposed to go to San Francisco and the Castro to watch Paris is Burning with Jenny Livingston talking and they say Jenny Livingston's name multiple times in it and then like the one the main character who's played by Justice Smith says you know like oh like I like like trots out the argument about like is Paris is Burning appropriation it actually says that like oh you know the people in the movie didn't get any money which is like you know they did and also that movie made two million dollars and also documentary subjects don't get paid for but it, anything that is something that people say it is something people say yeah that was reiterated on this show the bus actually ends up breaking down and they just stay in some like roadside motel on the way to san francisco and that's two episodes so i dreamt i was on that bus and we were all <laughs> playing songs for each other and i chose around the world by daft punk and a kid challenged me for not picking something that was explicitly anti-racist. <laughs> and I was so mad. <laughs> I, I remember I was like, the lyrics are around the world, around the world. And there's a filter. And that's why it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what song is explicitly anti-racist? Probably something Malcolm Moore wrote, right? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess, there, I mean, there's tons of, you know, like Public Enemy, any kind of like black empowerment stuff, you know, I think Kendrick Lamar makes anti-racist music. I think a lot of hip hop is like, you know, inherently anti-racist, maybe not always explicitly so, but inherently black music is anti-racist. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they were playing. All I know is that I was shot down. So <laughs> there was my nightmare. Do you want to talk about Hunter Biden at all? Um, are you going to read the book? Can I tell you about it? Can I tell I would you something like about it? I would like to listen to it. I, I, I recommend listening to it. Um, Does he read it? Yeah, oh, Great. yes. Great. Yes. He uses the words crackopolis and also crackology. Wait, did Naomi read it when you were talking to Naomi? She had started it. Okay. So she was about 50 pages in and I was, I had about an hour left, I think at that point. Okay. I mean, it's six hours. It goes by real fast. 
he really glosses over the Ukrainian stuff, you know, and is just like, eh, eh, energy. Eh. Um, but also the fact that it was like Rudy Giuliani and Trump that and Trump's kid that was like wailing on him. It's like, yeah, these fucking conspiracists. You're right. I don't trust what they say at all. Yeah. Seemed a little bit fucked up. And that one email seemed weird. That was like, thank you for the opportunity to meet with me. But it wasn't like a smoking gun. And, you know, it was suggestive. Regardless, um, the heart of the book is this crack rhapsody that's about like uh, two thirds of it, I would say. Just his like travels on crack. I mean, the people that I know who did crack like absolutely loved it. He loved it. He, He describes it really well. Did you know that he moved in a woman that he met off the street in Mm. D.C. because she like watched him get scammed, get like, you know, scammed out of money? He gave it to a dealer who was like, I promise you I'll come back because I'm leaving my shoe here. And then she watched it happen. She watched the guy go away with his hundred dollars. And she was like, you're such an idiot. They keep shoes out here. Like, of course, he has another pair of shoes. They do that specifically so that, you know, they can take your money. It's a scam. So then he ends up like seeing her a few times and then moves her in for five months. Oh, my God. And she's the one who taught him all about crackology. And he okay. T- he talks about like going to a DC bodega and asking for a one in one, which is a pipe rose and chore boy, which is used yeah. as the, uh, the, the screen. Uh-huh. Okay, but my question is, what I what I wish he talked about because he talks about all about why crack is good and how to get crack. Yeah, he gives like a step by step guide of like how, what he would do to get crack. Like he would go to a place where there are homeless people. I can actually. Do you want me to play it for you? I followed my usual modus operandi. I headed for the commercial district in the sketchiest part of town and looked for a gas station or liquor store that served as a congregating spot for a quorum of homeless addicts. I'd pull in stick the nozzle in the gas tank, lock my car, and head inside to buy cigarettes or Gatorade. It rarely took long before somebody out front asked if I could help him out with some change. I'd hand him whatever was in my pocket, then ask for a favor. You know where I can buy some hard? The key was finding someone who was homeless because he needed to support his habit, not because he was mentally ill, which was too often the case, and sometimes tough to distinguish. It's, that sounds true, all true to me. It sounds all true to me too, but it's just like the picture he's painting, yeah. you know, the step by step. It's almost, it's 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 kind of crazy that he did this while his dad is in office. I mean, yeah, he really goes there, you know. But well, I, you know what though, I feel like it's, I mean, that could be part of like a strategy. Yeah, because sure. having him really go there, it's like okay, you're going to make up all this shit about him. Yeah. Like he's like spilling the beans here. Right. Why wouldn't Skeletons. he talk about anything? If he's going to talk about all this crack stuff, right. You know, like just give everyone the whole story and like unfettered and, and like let people like make up their mind. You Cause know? there was that moment in the first debate where Trump like ridiculed him yeah. and Biden was like, my son is an addict and he struggled mm-hmm. and He's better, and I'm so proud of him. Yes. And like that totally knocked Trump, you know, off course. He didn't even know how to like respond to that, basically, which they talk about in there. But my question is He seems like a good fuck, right? 
he, he, you know, he barely talks about sex too. He okay. talks, he like will I think mention that's it. Telling, right? I think that's telling. I think that's telling of someone who's confident in their right. sexuality. The, yes. He doesn't even need to discuss it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I get laid. And that's like, that's never been a problem. Let me tell you about my problems. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Also, did you hear about the Parmesan cheese thing? How no. he would like smoke Parmesan cheese oh, yes, off the you floor? Did t- you told me that. Um, but oh, also he got okay, really into Okay, so I've done things like this. <laughs> I've done things like that. When I was like really, really, really into cocaine. One time, you know, we had been doing, I had that, you know how I had like that giant square coffee table on my Lorimer Street apartment? It was a huge square. It was huge. And, you know, I would do coke off it and stuff. And I guess someone had bought Zeppelis and I didn't even know. <laughs> And I had had a party <laughs> and I needed like a pick me up in the morning to go to work. Like I had this party like late at night at my house and then I had to go to work the next day. And so I fucking was like, oh, I'll just scrape this residue and do a line of this and this will get me to the office. And it was fucking powdered sugar. <laughs> Here, I get down on my hands and knees and scan the floor and comb through the rug with my fingers. Half the time I had no idea what I was picking up. Is this a flake of Parmesan from the cheese platter we ordered last night? Or crack? It didn't matter. I smoked it. If it was crack, great. If it wasn't, I take a hit, exhale, and exclaim, shit, that's not it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but he's also, he transitions, I, once he's in LA, he transitions from buying crack to just buying Coke, and he's like, you know, saves a layer, and it kind of like, you know, it puts you in slightly nicer company basically mm-hmm. i guess the crack world is really dark apparently really really dark but my question is why wouldn't he just freebase the cocaine i instead I, of making he made it into crack he i would know buy i'm it telling you i told you why well tell me again okay i don't, I don't think i was be- convinced because cocaine is so much more expensive and when you make it into crack you're you're expanding it you're you're drawing it out you're getting more for your money but money was not an object for him because at this time he all of his stuff is getting stolen he talks about how there was just in la there was just this revolving group of drug buddies that were constantly robbing him i mean what did he say but it does seem like money was a bit of an object for him like he probably didn't have a lot of access to a lot of liquid maybe it was and it also did seem he talks a lot about his struggles in obtaining coke and how they'd be like oh go to go to hartford you know mm-hmm. when he was in connecticut go to hartford and then they'd be like go over there go over there and yeah, it'd be yeah. like a day a wild goose chase of like hours of just like sitting in parking lots so like just making crack is just gonna make it so that you don't have to like deal Goes with longer. that yeah but i want to but he does rhapsodize crack specifically so i think also there's something about crack that's not that's like somehow for some people better than smoking coke it seems like, I don't know. I just feel like when people have Coke, they just snort it and they don't smoke it as much because when you snort it, it's more immediate than smoking it. It's like snorting and injecting are more immediate and then smoking and then, but, I don't know, I mean, eating. but you get, I mean, you get it pretty immediately from what he describes. You take a hit. It, uh, I guess it takes about a minute, he says. Yeah. Because he says, interestingly, that like the most exciting part of the hit is the nanosecond before the hit. Like the ritual just the excitement you know Mm. and it's almost like that that rock is never going to live up to what's in your head Mm. you know um i really do think it's that it's the it's a it's just more economical sounds plausible and because that was just a way his way 
Yeah. That's why he liked it so much, you know? Like he just, it's like... But, you know, I would like to open the floor to readers. If anybody has experiences smoking crack and coke, if there's a, a reason in addition to an economical one, some kind of sensation one, that would make somebody want to smoke crack way more than cocaine, I would like to know about it. I just get the feeling that there's some kind of contrast. All right. Well, let us know. You know how you can let us know? Three four seven four five zero four two three nine. That's our phone number. Give us a call. Leave a message and let us know about, you know, your experiences with crack or, or crack e- cocaine. Or Sorry. You can email us as well. At potpsych at gmail.com. I guess you could DM us. You could always DM us. We're potpsychology on Twitter and Instagram. And that's that. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Um, you can listen to our bonus episode on our Patreon, patreon.com slash potpsychology. You can also subscribe to our premium series, Wawoo. That gets you a membership to our book club and episodes of us. Talking about the real world Sorry, and the real world. I just got world. really distracted by a text that was like a little bit like, <laughs> is it good text or good gee or bad gee? It's like, I don't want to say dramatic. Oh God. But... I'm looking at it. All right. Patreon.com slash pot psychology. You'll figure it out when you get there. You'll see what we have. Yeah. <laughs> and pipedreams.fun. Yes. Sign up for our newsletter. Where do you sign up for the newsletter? Pipedreams.fun. <laughs> What's that again? <laughs> Pipedreams.fun. <laughs> <laughs>